0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell.
1: And I'm Timothy Plane.
0: Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. hmm And not screw it up, basically. Um, how you doing, man?
1: It feels like it's been Good. a while
0: since we've talked, you know?
1: Yes, you, we recorded an episode like two weeks ago. Yeah, like that's on a why. on a Saturday or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was Saturday last time. So it's been a while. Yeah, you've been away. You've been on vacation. Yeah, I've been on
0: vacation, sitting on a lake. Um, you know, jumping off rocks into a beautiful lake. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun. It was a really nice vacation.
1: But you know, I'm happy to be back and. Back into the grind, back into things. Last week, when we ended the podcast, you started to talk about, like, you feel like your filmmaking life is passing you by. Did that feeling, like, stick with you during vacation, or did you just forget about filmmaking?
0: I don't know. I was just trying to enjoy myself, really, and, like, not really think about it too much and just
1: yeah, not be, be in
0: the moment. And then when I came back on Monday, I totally felt like that. I, I felt like, oh, my God, like, like I just wasted... Like I'm wasting my life. Like I'm, you know, I've got all these projects I'm not working on. I'm like, you know, I should be more focused and I'm just, but I'm like, you know, if if I'm in an office, it's like, you know, you can't really be focusing on your own personal projects. You just got to focus on what you're being given by your, by your, the company you're
1: working for. Yeah. That's the hardest part of of the full-time job is. You don't get a chance to think about your own stuff very often.
0: Yeah. And like I had gotten um, some music from one of our listeners from my short film, The Rage, and I Mm. hadn't listened to that yet at that point. And then I had gotten a new cut from the editor and I hadn't watched that at that point. So I watched them like during lunch. Yeah. But uh, I mean, geez, I just felt like I'm just such a slacker. And then like I was reading some (laughs) like, you know, posts from other people about like the progress of their films. I'm just like, why am I not making progress with my film? Like, why? God damn it. What the fuck? why can't I have a budget <laughs> for my movie you know but I yeah. don't know all in good time I gotta remind myself I had a really great philosophy about this like a few weeks ago where it's just like you know what I'm just gonna do it it's gonna take me how long? How, however long it's gonna take me but I'm gonna get it done and it doesn't really matter about the speed of how fast it just matters the quality of, of how good it is you know and um, what I'm doing now working for this company is like the right thing for me to do in my life and I think it's good for my career and You know, then I'll just work on the movie when I can and that'll happen when it happens and it all just fall into place and I just need to not, um, you know, like I got to like make sure I'm putting a little time into it every day. So I've been at least at least like a half hour of spending time on the movie every day. So that's that's been good just to kind of like try to reorganize it. I don't
1: think you'll ever feel like you're doing enough, though. Yeah, that's a problem that I feel like I have is like I'm like, ah. I, I'm doing a little bit each day, but it just doesn't feel like enough. If I just didn't have a job, if I just got paid to do this all the time, and all I had to do was think about movies, I'd get so much more done.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I,
1: I watched a whole bunch of movies like over the weekend,
0: um, and I was watching some... What did you see? Well I, well, I guess it wasn't last weekend, but it was the weekend before I watched this movie, Joshy. Uh, starring Thomas Millicent and uh, Nick Kroll and Adam Pally, it's like a bunch of comedians, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a it was kind of it was a fun movie. It was a little bit of a depressing movie, but it was ultimately a, a really good like indie comedy, like dark indie comedy. And then I started to watch the Get Down after 45 minutes of the hour and a half like opening episode, I had to turn <laughs> it off. It just I mean, Baz Lerman, man, he's like all over the place. It's just like, it's like here's here's some characters. Here's some characters. Here's some more characters. Here's some more characters. Now you're back to these characters. Now you're back to these characters. Oh, and there's this one character that's like really, really special, really, really amazing. And then now you know everything about that character
1: and he's not really that amazing. And is this the new Netflix show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was Baz Lerman.
0: Yeah, I don't it's know. It's
1: kind of like 80s hip hop or what is it? Yeah,
0: it's 70s. So it's like 70s hip hop is basically where where it starts like this this young kid who's just trying to get through and like date this girl, but he's like also like scribbling down his poems and doing poetry, you know, mm-hmm. at that time. And so, but it, it starts with like a flash forward of him as like a famous rapper, like in 96. And then it's like, he's like rapping on stage and then it goes back in time to the seventies when he's a high schooler. Um yeah. And like the rap Sounds is like, cool. you know, it is cool. It's got cool ideas, but it's got, it's like too much. It's like, they just try to pack too much into into this thing. And even though it's a Netflix show, and even though like you, you, they're spending 45 minutes, it's like it's like they're packing too much and then they're taking too long mm-hmm. getting a, on with it, you know? It's very like Grease and, and uh, I would say more West Side Story inspired too. Like you can feel like it's but he's trying to do like a
1: modern hip-hop West Side Story kind of. Uh, is he in love with the girl on the other side of the tracks, the rich girl?
0: It's more like the, she's like the girl from the religious family and then like he's sort of like the orphan kid who's, like, living with his aunt and his aunt's boyfriend, you know. So it's not it's exactly West Side Story, but it has those kind of feelings of it, and, like, they're sneaking out of their houses to go to some club or whatever, you know. So it's just sort of got that kind of... some really reminiscent things in it. And, like, the girl's getting ready in their house, and then he lives on the stoop across... or the building across from them. He's, like, watching them through the window, and, you know, it just feels very you know, 50s musical updated sort of. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. It's cool. I just, I would love it if if it wasn't so
1: unfocused and spastic is like kind of the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, Did you see anything over the last few weeks that you thought was awesome? Like new or old? Either.
0: Well, I mean... (laughs) I, I I like. Then immediately after watching Get Down, we put on Double Impact, which is like a ninety-two or ninety-one then um, uh movie. And uh, what's the premise of that one? <laughs> basically, it starts with this father who's got two twin boys uh, who are like infants, and they're basically like opening up a tunnel from the mainland in China to Hong Kong. And, uh, it's, like, this big thing. They're opening it, and, like, it's, like, his baby, his thing that he put all his time and energy to, and then you meet this character who's, like, his right-hand man, his, like, security guy, and then, like, after the celebration, he's going home, and then he basically gets assassinated, like, him and his wife, and then the two boys become orphans, and then the security guy comes and rescues the boys, and then, like, one goes off to, like, a a French Academy in Hong Kong. And then one goes with a guy uh, to LA and then it jumps like, you know, 25 years later and it's Van Damme in LA, like working at a, at a gym. And then, you know, Van Damme is a smuggler in Hong Kong, you know, like kind of working Van Damme
1: plays twins. Yeah. At plays twins. That's awesome. It's uh-huh. really
0: great. And then uh, <laughs> the movie moves around long, really fast because like, Within 15 minutes or 16 minutes, you've already got the brothers meeting face-to-face and, like, going to work together to take down the bad guy. So it's like they had all that backstory, setting up the two brothers, and then all together, everything happening within 15 minutes. And you're like, damn, that's awesome. And, like, after 45 minutes of the get-down, you feel like the freaking thing hasn't even started yet. Like, you you, you haven't even met all the characters, or, or you're still meeting new characters at 45 minutes, and you're like, Christ, like, why are you taking so long? Like, Jesus. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a different type of story and everything, but I mean, I think it's a good lesson that you can get to your, your, you're getting to your story soon they talk about that in writing a lot you know you want to get into, your, into the meat of your story like as soon as possible get to the inciting incident like as soon as you can so on
1: this Van Damme movie do they have awesome like uh, twin visual effects where they're like standing in front of each other
0: yeah really good body devils you know and then <laughs> are just clever is it John Woo? Uh, no uh, some other like uh, who directed it? Some some like un, like director from the nineties. I, I no no famous name. He wrote it with Van Dam. So Van Dam's like the top build writer, and then the director's the second build writer, and then there was like two other writers after that. Um, <laughs> but it, it was uh, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting, and 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 basically it was funny because like. It, it moves along at a, at a crisp pace, and it, and it gets to the points, and you get plenty of action, plenty of Van Damme doing the splits and kicking and oh, course, all that yeah. fun stuff. You want to
1: be a Van Damme movie if he's not doing the splits at least once. <laughs> yeah,
0: he did it a few times. and then My uh,
1: favorite split scene is the one in um, Universal Soldier in the kitchen. Nice. That's the best one. Yeah.
0: The, I don't know. There's some pretty good... I mean, I, I watched <laughs> uh, Bloodsport recently, and there's a, some really good ones on Bloodsport where he's doing splits over two pillars. So he's, like, (laughs) on two players doing the perfect splits and, like, balancing, like, one heel to the other. It's pretty amazing.
1: I love that that was his go-to move.
0: Yeah. And then uh, right after that, we watched this thing, uh, which is, like, I don't even remember what it's called. But it's, like, a John claude Van Damme Amazon pilot, Mm -hmm. season pilot thing. And so it's basically – I didn't ever watch JCVD, but I think it's very much in the same vein as that movie – um, and Where it's it,
1: Jean-Claude Van Damme playing himself yeah. in, in an action movie. Yeah,
0: basically. Well, the, in, in this reality, the premise is Jean-Claude Van Damme is an actor, but he's also Jean-Claude Van Johnson, who's a secret, <laughs> secret agent. And, what? and the premise okay. is that actors in action movies also are secret agents So basically, like when you get a movie job, it's like the cover for the actual secret agent job that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So in this one, he's been retired from acting slash secret agenting or whatever you call it, being a CIA guy for like, you know, however many years and he comes back to it and like, he's basically back into it again. And there's lots of fun references where he's like talking about like his movies and is a really funny thing about like how Looper is basically a ripoff of time cop. And then there's a couple of times where it's like, (laughs) you know, someone saying like time cop is much, much better than Looper. (laughs) Like some, some, (laughs) um, and then he does the splits and he can't quite do the splits anymore and he gets hit in the face because of it and he's just a lot of poking fun at himself and you know but also some cool fight scenes also uh, and then it's really heavily making fun of, uh, you know, the film industry, because, like, the directors are these young, bearded, hipster douche, douchebags smoking vape pens all the time. And, <laughs> right. you know, and the movie that he's in is like Huck, a reimagining of Huckleberry Finn as an action movie. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. I think it's worth a watch if you like Van Damme. I don't know how it, it would work as a series, if it would work really well uh, if it got picked up. But uh, it's a fun watch. It makes me wanna see JCVD, you know, to see more of him just being ridiculous. Anyways, what's up with you, man? Spirit machine. I know there's some drama, some excitement. I wanna I wanna hear. You gotta tell me about it. Oh
1: my god, the drama yesterday. So I I was uh, I went to go do a final mix on it, and of course it's not gonna go as smoothly as it should because it's spirit machine. Which is how <laughs> <I'll cry. laughs> so yeah, we have like six hours to do it and I get there at the beginning of the session and they try to open it up and it just wouldn't open. Like Pro Tools kept crashing and they're like "Ah," trying to figure out like what's going on. Like they, they can't open up anything so they end up having to like uninstall Pro Tools delete all the plugins and then like reinstall everything again. Wow. So it took like five hours before we could, we got the session up and running. Wow. And we were able to sit down and do it. Did you finish it? Yeah, we did. We finished it, but then I listened to it again this morning Uh-oh. and then I was like, Oh, maybe we should go back in and just like do one more pass. So it's like last night when I left, I was thinking, Jeez. I, I told him it's like, there's things that I still could do on this, but I feel like at this point, I'm not going to make it a better movie. It's just, it's it's not going to be better. So why spend the time on it? Wow. Thank you so much. It sounds amazing. It's great. But then I listened to it this morning. And was like, ah... Maybe we should just do one more. Can, pass. can you give me an example of <laughs> of a thing that's bothering you that you want to fix? Like just a the small thing. The thing that's bothering me right now is I'm not sure that the the balance between the dialogue and the music is right. Ooh, that's such an important thing. It sounds really, that that to me feels like it's important to to make sure is
0: correct. Uh, oh yeah, I feel like even mainstream movies sometimes get that wrong, where like the music mm. is just so loud you can hardly hear the people talking. You know, yeah, and then that's like where I'm at, I'd rather have the music be a little bit quieter and being able to hear the the actors more. Although I feel like my movies end up the music ends up being too quiet, um, <laughs> right. you know. But uh, I think it's probably better for music to be too quiet and more subtle than to have issues hearing people. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, sorry. What are you gonna so, do? Are you gonna go back in today and like try to convince them to work well, on it some more? I,
1: I asked them if I could, and they said it might not be a possibility. So I'm like at a crossroads now, <laughs> kinda trying to figure out like what should I do? Just live with it? Should I stick around and try to and just hopefully I can get back in before I, I need to go back to San Francisco, or should I just go back to San Francisco and deal with it remotely? I'm not sure.
0: Do you have somebody you really trust who you could send? uh the final mix to in the final movie and just like not tell them what you're thinking and just say watch this and like is there anything about the mix that you would change or or not even yeah. that or just send it to them and say hey what do you
1: think and then see what I they say I sent it I sent it to the composer and he said it sounded right. Oh, so. composer's the wrong person, bro. I know. But that, then I was like, yeah, but he's the composer. Of course he wants his music loud. I mean, you can't send it to the composer. composer would be like, yeah, this is
0: great.
1: You can hear everything. This is amazing. Yeah, like, I know. It's so funny. You gotta you send, send it, it to the sound design guy, and they're like, yeah, it sounds awesome. My sound design's so present.
0: You got to send it to, like, like, don't you have a producer you can send it to?
1: Uh, not right at the moment, no. Really? I guess I could share it with somebody. Yeah, I don't know. your producers man where are they they
0: gotta help you out bro i know you had a lot of producers on this thing yeah i got a lot of producers and they're all busy doing other stuff (laughs) yeah it's isn't that funny how it works like when you make a movie like you have like the producer but um (laughs) when it comes to post and finishing it like they're just not around
1: for it and it's like up (laughs) to you they're nowhere yeah they're nowhere they're on vacation right now they're like on other projects They're just like, yeah, let us know when it's done. That'll be cool. Yeah, I didn't give myself a producer credit on Brother, and I probably should have just because I was helping with the
0: production all the way through, and then basically after we shot, everything after that was all me for the most part. You know, the other producer would weigh in and help out here and there, but it's pretty much me driving the project. So it's sort of like, I don't know, you kind of have to give yourself a credit, I think, Mm -hmm. although I just, I don't like that. I like the idea of not, of like having a producer who just handles those things, but I think at this stage, that's like a fantasy. And not a <laughs> and not a reality.
1: Right. I think so. Yeah. I think you have to get to a certain stage where you have a post-production producer and that's all they do.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. It sounds so nice, too, because I'm, I'm getting so sick of l- listening to the movie over and over and over again and watching it over and over and over again. And be like, It'd be great if there's somebody that could just do that for me and then show it to me when it's ready to be seen again
0: yeah I I don't know man that, that almost feels like that person would never really exist to watch it over and over again because no one's gonna hey. watch it as much as you would watch it I don't think
1: yeah well I, yesterday I watched it I think five times I watched it over the weekend I've seen it more in the past few weeks than I have in a while um, funny thing happened though is that I actually feel pretty good about it now yay that's great man yeah, I don't know what changed. Something changed in the past week and I was like, the past 5 times that I've seen it is it like it's not bad.
0: Well, you told me you watched it with your wife and that she uh, applauded So, I mean, that must be pretty yeah. strong, right? You know.
1: Yeah, it felt good. And it it feels so much more complete with the the mix being done. Because up until this point, I've been listening to it in in pieces. Like, you know, just getting temp mixes and like putting it together myself and final cut. And so now that it's just two things, final picture from the colorist and final mix from the mixer, and I'm not adjusting anything, I'm just slapping those two together, it just feels so much more cohesive than me putting all the pieces into one project and trying to mix them up.
0: Yeah, and finish VFX also must help a lot, you know, just mm-hmm. to have all the pieces together and then have... Because you've probably watched it most uh, all the way through without finished VFX, so yeah, o- overall, right? right. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think so. watching it right lately with the finished VFX and the music and everything it just starts to come together and feel feel good, you know.
1: Yeah. So it's cool. It's you exciting. Know.
0: But uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited to see The Spirit Machine, man. It's been so long. I mean, it's been way longer for you. But for me, it's been like two <laughs> years of hearing about this project. And uh, right. I can't wait to and finally see yeah, it. I've
1: only seen like three minutes of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Three beautiful minutes.
1: <laughs> It'll be fun to, to see how an audience reacts to it. I have no idea. Yeah, you'll just have to find out, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the filmmaking life is is passing you by idea. <laughs> right. I know we already talked about it a little bit, but let's go a little deeper. So even if the feeling has passed, right? Like with the the main feeling is that you could be doing more, or like time is just wasting, and like you're not you're not jumping onto the project fast enough. Like, right? What is it? Like you're getting older, and your opportunity. the,
0: yeah. What is it? It's mostly like, kind of define it. Just the fact that, um, that, you know, I don't, I'm not really doing as much on the project as I'd want to. And I think about like past goals and past years where I've said things like, Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, like I'm not really ready to go to AFM this year. And oh, geez, like if I if I'm still at the stage where I need to go to AFM AFM next year with the movie, I'll be really depressed. Like I want to be way further along with the movie by then. And then the year next year comes, it's the same exact thing. It's like oh, I'm not quite ready to go to AFM. Oh man, I just you know if I have to be in the same place next year, like oh, I'm just gonna feel terrible. Like I don't want to be in that position. And just like that same thing year after year. And (laughs) I feel like like that was the last two years. And now this year I'm coming up on AFM and I feel like I am ready to go. Like I I, like it's not till I don't remember exactly when it's either October or November. And um the pitch book's pretty much done like I'm working on the last two pages I have a day off today I'll probably finish that today uh, I am really close to finishing the script like I'm I'm like really in a good place like I could definitely have all my materials ready to go by F- AFM like I'm gonna be getting a new poster made right now I've got some new concept art that's coming in I met with the concept artist two weeks ago it's like everything is like really coming together so I'm pretty much ready but I just I'm not sure if I'm really I haven't really decided if I'm going to go or not you know and if I even should go or if it's the right place for me to go, if it's worth all the money, you know, to, to do the trip. But I kind of feel like, yeah, I don't know. So that's sort of like where the life passing me by thing comes from, because it's like year after year I say like, oh, like by next AFM, I'm going to be further along with the production of my film. And then next AFM comes around, I'm basically in the same position I was, you know, a year ago. Roughly. I mean, right. I'm a little bit further along. Like, I, I think the movie's definitely changed in a year and I have more materials together and I'm feeling a lot more, like, I have a more co- co- cohesive plan about the movie, but it just feels like every year i'm not really going forward with the movie in the way that i want to you know like i wanted to shoot it like years ago you know (laughs) but uh i don't know i think that's part of like what it means to make movies like it just takes a lot of time
1: do you think that part of it is that you're setting deadlines for yourself that are based around ongoing events like afm is one like i've done this with sundance before where it's like oh i just gotta get this finished in order to make the the deadline for Sundance. And if you miss those things, you have to wait like a whole other year for them to happen. So it does feel like years and years are passing by.
0: Yeah. I I guess for the the AFM thing, it's, it's not really like I'm not waiting for AFM or for a film market to go raise the money for my movie. Like, I, I don't even know if that's the right place for someone like me to raise money for my movie or if it's even something I should do at all. That's sort of part of my anxiety around it. It's like, I don't even know if I belong there. Um, but, it's more like it's like a landmark in the year so like when it comes around like it just reminds me of how much time I've spent you know <laughs> writing this movie and, and working on it and trying to get it off the ground and not really having any success and I think to be fair to myself like I haven't really tried super hard to get it off the ground it's more like I'm just not really ready with the materials, you know, like that's what
1: that's a feeling that I've gotten over the years is that you just haven't been ready. You've been always like kind of reworking the script and trying to get the script in a better place. And then now working on your business plan and your pitch book, it just feels like you just haven't like hit that critical mass where you're like, all right, it's ready to go. And I'm just going to like push forward with it
0: right I feel like I have yeah exactly so I feel like once I get to that level where I have all the materials together like I have a solid plan and I'm really ready then like you know I think it'll all fall into place a little bit faster but at the same time I think it might be just good regardless just to go to AFM just to meet people and have the experience and go down there and introduce myself to some of these companies and just start chatting it up you know and like say who I am like these are the movies I've made this is my project I'm trying to, to do you know um, you know I've, I've raised like whatever no money like a thousand dollars for it I'm <laughs> yeah. um, trying to raise the rest like you know help me out I mean because one thing that somebody said I've, I've talked about this probably before is that if you have any kind of budget you know, raise for your movie. And like, you have more than just a script uh, that like sets you apart from everybody else there because or everybody else in the world because like everybody who approaches a producer or a production company has a, a brilliant script that's like, you know rock solid and you know there's no way it can it can lose you know like that's the same thing everyone says but if you can come up and you can like put something behind it you know be like here's some actual funds that i've raised for it like here's an actual portion of the budget that i have you know in my pocket already like people do believe in me and believe in this project like it's gonna happen then it makes you way more um you know Way more of a viable investment or at least someone to talk to a little bit more. Right. So I kind of feel like that was sort of the plan was to by this time have actually raised some money, you know, and uh, I've basically got one commitment for a very small amount of money. And besides that, I don't have anything else. So I sort of feel like I'm a little bit behind on, on that portion of it. But I mean, there's still months like I could still probably raise a couple thousand dollars between now and AFM, you know, but I don't know if I could raise twenty thousand dollars. That was my goal was to have twenty thousand dollars raised going into AFM and just be like,
1: you know, hot shit going over there. But uh, yeah. (laughs) Do you think Uh, I don't I don't know much about AFM. I don't even know if it's really a place to raise money for a film that's not already made.
0: What I, from what I've heard, it's both. Like you can go there with your projects and you can se- you can sell scripts, you can talk to to companies about different projects, you know. Um there are also people there looking to buy movies, so it's a good. If you have finished movies, it's it's a it's a good thing too. I think it's probably your success rate of selling a finished movie versus trying to raise a move money for a movie that isn't that's just a script. It's probably easier to do it the other way. I've also heard of people like going to AFM like with nothing but a script and a poster and being able to fund the movie that way and be like, here's the poster, here's a script, here's you know, we just need to get this star attached and then. Boom, you know, that those deals all happen and then the movie's off and
1: but Don't you think you have to be like an established company or an established producer that has relationships already? Like you, Ulrich Brussel, Purcell- With no relationships to this industry going there, do you think anyone's going to take you seriously? I
0: don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I know there's a lot of people like that who go there, you know, lots Mm -hmm. of people who are exactly like me or even less to show for their filmmaking careers than I than I have or you have, you know, I don't know. And the success rate of those people who are at that level is probably really low. But I think at the same time, it's probably a good place just to go meet people just to kind of you know, get a sense of, of what's out there, what's happening, who the players are, all that stuff. Uh, I should actually talk to some people who go to AFM and, and get some more information, because I, I talked to the producer of the movie I script supervised on in March, and she was like, you got to just go, just go check it out, just see what the scene is, you know, and she, she, I guess, I don't know how many times she's gone, but uh she was just saying, you just got to go over there and just, you know... It's a good place to, to meet people, a good place to see what's going on. Like the director, Sela, who we had on the show, she said she went with the producer and they didn't necessarily raise any money there. But she met um, some of her cast at AFM and cast them in the movie from oh, cool. meeting them there. So, I mean, I just think it's like everybody who is involved with film is there, you know, and people who want to be involved with film are there. So it's just a good place to... You know, make these random connections that you may never make uh, if you're not, you know, in the physical space with all those people. Um,
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean... I've never... I've always heard of AFM and I've actually been in Santa Monica during AFM season. I just... Never wanted to go inside. We should go together. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'd be fun. It now sounds you, terrible. Towns, business sounds side of film. frustrating. I just want a, a producer to handle that stuff. Right. I don't know. I know that's unrealistic, but that's what I want.
0: I think if I if I went there and I didn't have any expectations and I wasn't like, going there thinking I'm going to raise the budget for my movie and this is going to be my big break. And If I just go there like look this is an investment I'm going to spend you know whatever $600 probably because it's like $500 for the three day pass and then however mm-hmm. much to yeah, it's pay for the you know lodging or what and whatnot. But if I just look at it it's just like it's an investment in you know like going to a film festival is an investment mm-hmm. and then I just go there and just whatever just f- see what see what happens and you know, just be myself and introduce myself to everybody and anybody and, you know, hand out my card and hand out my my email address and hand out my work, Um, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll strike a chord with the right person or maybe, you know... I'll meet somebody there who's got some really interesting project that they need help on or who knows like there's lots of different possibilities Mm -hmm. maybe nothing will happen maybe I'll just meet some cool people and I'll just go home you know (laughs) but I think no matter what you'll meet cool people like that's like almost I think that's probably the thing that you could definitely bank on because you know every film festival I've ever gone to I always meet some at least a couple cool people Mm -hmm. you know Um, so I don't know ah who knows but I mean I think this whole life passing me by thing, I think it's just like, I I just think you need to just do it, you know, and just keep on doing it and not worry about um, measuring. I think this kind of comes into the whole like uh, staying in your own lane thing, because like I feel like you feel like it's passing you by when you're comparing yourself to other people, you know, um, and comparing yourself to like other people's successes, like whether they be. Successful, famous people who are already doing what you want to do, or whether it be people who you know who are at your level who seem to be um, making the steps you wish you were making, you know, whatever it is. Like I think it's easy for me to get caught up in, in this comparison game, and I think like that sort of feeds into this whole feeling of like I'm failing or I'm not moving fast enough or I'm not doing the right things. But I think as long as I just keep on working on my projects, put the time in, you know, like regardless of what else is going in my life, if I'm, you know, working at a, a corporate video company like five days a week or if I'm, you know, jumping around on different projects or, or whatever I'm doing, like just put in, even if it's just 30 minutes or 15 minutes even, just putting a little bit of time into my movie every day, I think that will, you know, help me keep keep going forward with it and, and things will happen if I just keep on, keeping on you know
1: yeah i think you got to do that i think for me the the feeling of life just keeps going and it doesn't stop and it's taking too long tends to be like a, a rear view mirror effect where i'm looking back at things that happened and thinking that could have been my opportunity and maybe i wasn't ready for it Maybe I didn't have the right material or somebody asked to see a script and I didn't have that script at that time. Or, uh, yeah, somebody wanted to see my short film and my short film wasn't done. Like, who knows, had that opportunity been, like, presented itself at the right time and I had the materials and I, and I put it in front of that person and they liked it, my whole life could be different. And I just think, of, and I think back on certain things that have happened in my life, and thinking that that could have been like the crossroads, and then it it didn't lead to anything. And I wonder, like, how many more of those opportunities am I going to get? And will I ever will I get keep getting those opportunities? And as I get those opportunities, am I going to ever find one that's going to just prove to be, uh, prove to. Get me where I want to be like the there's a a story about like Chris Columbus in college and um, his screenwriting teacher said, I want everyone to write 10 pages. I'm going to show it to my agent and he's going to comment on them. Wow. And out of the out of those submissions, his agent told Chris Columbus that he should spend the summer writing a screenplay. And so he did. And he wrote a screenplay. The agent liked it and signed him. His junior year in college, he was like signed with an agent, and uh, they were already selling a movie. And then the second screenplay he wrote was Gremlins. And then right out of college, he was like working with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas uh, on Goonies and uh, and the new Indiana Jones, which I guess was The Last Crusade at the time. And I just like think about that. Like that's that was an opportunity that he went after, and it worked but i feel like i've had similar opportunities but my screenplay wasn't good enough. You really? You know like I, I was one of i was one of the other students in the class that whose screenplay didn't get chosen. So a lot of times i think in my head like oh maybe i'm just not talented enough. Maybe I'm not talented enough to take advantage of these opportunities that come up every once in a while.
0: So you had like the same opportunity where an agent read a script of yours or an agent read some pages of yours? Like that's happened to you before?
1: Yeah, like right out of college, I had sent out a bunch of query letters and I got one back and uh, an agent asked to read my script and I sent it in and she said, you know what? Your writing's really good. Like here are some things I think you could do to make your screenplay better. And I was like, Yes. I made it. All I got to do is revise my screenplay and I'm going to get signed. So I took a few months and I rewrote the screenplay and I sent it back to her. And then she's like, you know what? I just left the agency. I'm starting um, like a script consulting business. So I, if you want me to read your screenplay, I'd be happy to, but it's going to cost like a hundred bucks or whatever.
0: And did, like, you, damn it. and did you do that? <laughs> I didn't do it. No. I don't know if that would have led to anything
1: else. If, if she paying for her script consulting services, but... I don't know. But I felt like that that opportunity when I sent her my screenplay had my screenplay been amazing, that could have changed my whole life. Maybe, you but, know? but maybe but, it wasn't. But,
0: but maybe that wasn't the right agent, you know, and maybe, you know, the material that you were sending to her wasn't the type of material that she liked, you know, or That's true. who 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 knows? Like there's so many different variables. That's what's
1: crazy about it is that you don't know who you're going to run into and you're never going to know if that that person is right for you and for your life, and it's just—it's if it happens, it's going to happen. But you don't—you can't control who you're going to run into and who you're going to meet. Like you go to AFM and you meet like ten new people; those ten new people might not be the right people for you to work with. Right. On the other hand, you might meet ten people that are the right people to work with, and that's going to change your life completely. So those are like—I guess—the uncontrollable part of what we do and like the opportunities that come is kind of also a frustrating thing because I want to control it I want to like have control over my destiny and that's one thing I don't have control over like I don't know who I'm gonna meet and I don't know if I'm gonna gel with those people that I meet
0: I I feel like in this day and age and it's probably different than from when Christopher Columbus was coming out but like for for filmmakers now like you can just make movies like you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not easy, but you you know, pretty much anyone can make a movie. So I just think that you just need to keep on making your movies, and maybe this is a little bit of a like an idealistic, naive sort of thought process. But I think if you make them and you push them out there, like people are gonna see them, and maybe the right person who just really gels with your your thing or whatever it is will see it, and then they'll be able to help you, you know, like either connect you with a manager and an agent or connect you with some production company or or whatever, you know, so I don't know, like, I think you just need to make your stuff and put it out there, you know, and and I probably should be doing more things like sending query letters and all that stuff, you know, because I've never done that. I've never sent query letters to anybody, really. Like, I I have a list of of people to send stuff to, but I've never actually sent anything to them.
1: Um, So... I don't know. Maybe I but should just do But the luck and that. timing of it all is just, its the, that's the crazy thing to think about. I, I feel like there's probably a ton of really talented, amazing people out there that just never found that right opportunity.
0: Right. Or they didn't push it hard enough or they gave mm-hmm. up or they stopped or whatever, you know. Yeah. Life got in the way. It's true. I, I, I feel like that's probably my biggest thing that I probably need to just overcome is like, actually just going after these opportunities you know and and feeling like I'm ready for them cuz i guess part of the reason why i haven't ever sent all the query letters and all that stuff is cuz i feel like i'm not really ready like i can't, like uh-huh. you know for instance like oh I don't have a director's reel. I should have a director's reel before I send a query letter. Oh, I don't have this. I should have that before I have. I send a, you know, whatever. Like all these these things.
1: I mean, I could well, it's just kinda, do it now. Kind of true though. It's like if you're not ready for the opportunity when it comes, then it's just a squandered opportunity. You don't you don't get a second chance. Right. So you want to put your best foot forward, and you want to be completely ready. Uh, so I, I, I think that the ones that you can control, like the query letters, you should wait until you're like com- you're ready for it. But it's the other opportunities that are the ones that you like you don't have control over. Like you're in school at the exact time that the screenwriting teacher is doing this exercise where they're sending script pages to an agent. You can't control that. That's that's just going to happen. Right. And if you're not ready for it, nothing's going to come out of it. And you can't prepare yourself for that. You're either ready or you're not. Right, true. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like,
0: like I, this that goes into something uh, someone told me a while ago like I, I met a filmmaker who went to sundance early on in his career and uh was telling me about the whole experience and like how he got meetings with producers and stuff like that and basically the thing he w- he told me was like he didn't have a feature script ready to go and everyone just wanted to read the feature version of the short or any feature <laughs> right. that this guy had written and he didn't have anything and he kind of felt like that was a missed opportunity because you know he had these meetings with these people these producers and agents and he didn't have the materials they wanted to read and so he wasn't able to give them give them anything and then by the time he did have a script that was ready the, those connections kind of had dried up you know so it's like you know being being having the right things ready at the right time is kind of a big deal which goes into what you're saying you know um so I, I guess just, how
1: do you how do you prepare for that though? Like how do you? I guess you work as fast as you can. But I feel like I've been working for ten years, and in some ways, I still don't feel ready. I, I haven't really figured out that story or that screenplay that's really the one that's going to propel me to the next level. Like even Spirit Machine, which I thought was going to be like the movie to that was going to make me ready for these. Uh, these opportunities, I don't know if it's really that film right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: but I mean, if uh, let's like, okay, you you release Spirit Machine, um, you have your screenings, you put it online, whatever. Somebody approaches you, says, "Hey, I I love this. Like, do you have a feature version of it? You could just email him the script that you've written. <laughs> you yeah, know? so great. But it doesn't but matter. It. But you have it. Like, that's the difference. Like, it doesn't need to be great. You just need to have it. And you you have other scripts you've written as well. Like, you have more than one script that you've written so you could just like it oh this is really cool this isn't the kind of project I have like I'm looking for something more like this like you might have something that you've already written that you could send or you'll at least have a premise of something else that you could send you know so I just feel like having those that kind of stuff ready to go and, and being able to be the person who is like oh yeah like that doesn't work for you well what about this idea what about this idea what about this thing what about that thing you know and like having being excited about your ideas and being willing to just like throw them out there I think that's probably worth a lot too mm-hmm. you know
1: I mean that's that's fair I have a ton of ideas I have a lot of screenplays that in my head I consider works in progress they're not completely finished but I think like when Kyle came on the podcast one thing that was interesting that he said was that um, it's better if you don't have a finished screenplay and it's better if you can get somebody to pay you to figure it out
0: Oh yeah, that's
1: interesting. I was like that's awesome. I would love that. Like if I could, if I could pitch an idea and say I have most of it figured out, I just need the time to like really sit down and and work on it and have somebody pay me to like quit my job and go do that. That would be. Pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, but that's that's speaking from the perspective of already having an agent. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> going to work if you don't have an agent already. Right. You know, I think you need to have the finished material to prove to an agent that you're worth representing. And so you can be like, oh, here's my script ideas or, or ideas or here's my scripts I've written. Just so they can see that you've produced stuff and that you're able to put it on paper. And then from that point... Yeah, like I think then that what Kyle said is probably pretty valid once you're like in that that level where you're able to pitch things to people then it's like oh yeah, get them to pay you to write it cuz that's what the agent wants too, right? They want to they want to collect that commission check. That's true.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just don't feel like I have that that writing sample that's going to get me an agent. You
0: have a lot, but you just don't feel like there any of them are strong enough. You don't really believe. I don't
1: I don't think so. I think they're all decent, but I don't, I don't know if they're strong enough to get me a professional job i think they might say like that's good yeah keep going you got a lot of potential i think that's where all my stuff is you got a lot of potential which i totally agree i have a lot of potential but i just haven't cracked it yet well i don't know do you feel that way just
0: because like that's what people have told you in the past and you're just sort of living with that kind of idea
1: no i i really like i have a i'm a perfectionist so everything has to be perfect in in order for it to be worthy so I think I'm I'm like overly critical. Yeah,
0: but what, are you ever gonna feel like I don't know? You're ready though. Are you ever gonna feel I like oh this is perfect? Maybe not. I, I just I don't think you ever will. That's <laughs> that's my that's my take. Is that you're never gonna like write a script that you feel like is the best thing ever and the perfect writing sample. Like I. I just don't think that really exists. I think you just do your best. You have an idea that you like, and a story that you're 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 passionate about, and you write a script. Like I, I bet like Frank Darabont probably didn't like walk away from the Shawshank Redemption thinking like, oh, this is the best script I've ever written. Like this is the perfect writing sample. I don't know. I just I think that he must have he must see flaws in that. Mm -hmm. You know, or things that he's not completely happy with, no matter how good it actually is. But yeah. you know, I, I still don't feel like people I don't think writers in general have that kind of sense of of like the worth of their own material. That's
1: kinda of one reason I like this podcast is because we do it every week, in some ways it becomes a throwaway session for me where I don't have to be perfect. And I I wish I had that same attitude towards, like, my work. I feel feel like I'm, like, always, like, holding on to my work so preciously and, like, trying to make it as good as it possibly can be. But there's some freedom in just, like, doing stuff. And I've heard writers talk about working on TV is like that, where you don't have the time to be precious and you're just writing scripts and they're getting produced like every week and you're seeing, you're seeing them up on the screen and that's gotta be a really cool experience. Right. It's probably better to work faster than slower.
0: I think it's also probably a really good experience if you're able to learn Mm -hmm. from that too. Like if you're able to like look at an episode that you written wrote and then it's up on the screen and you're like, (laughs) ah, geez, like, why did I write that? Like, ah, yeah. Like, I, th- I thought that was good enough. Like, okay, next week I'll do way better, you know? Like, that that kind mm-hmm. of, like, self, like, you know, learning from your, from your
1: work. Right, like, I wish there way. was a faster way to get stuff in front of an audience. I think, like, stand-up comedy is one way to do that because you can, like, just get up and tell stories and tell jokes and see how an audience reacts from night to night and then kind of hone your material. But with movies, I think it's really hard to, like, throw a bunch of stuff out there and kind of see how it works with people.
0: Like filmmaking isn't really like the art form, like a, like a standup comedian or a musician that you can just do anywhere at any time. Like all you need is a microphone (laughs) and your guitar or just your voice. And then you're good to go. Like, I was talking to my friend about uh, a musician friend of ours who busks for a living and how he that's like what he does. And that's how he pays his rent. And, you know, we were talking about like the, the thoughts of, oh, is that considered like a good living or not? Whatever. And then I was just like, you know, but if we could make movies on the street. And that could be our job <laughs> if we could just actually just go on the street, make movies, and someone would pay us like give us change or dollars as we made our movies. We would all do, I would totally do that. That would be great. <laughs> like who who wouldn't want to get paid to to make your movies every day? You know, even if it's not that much money. Like we can't really do that. I guess it's
1: like a YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, but we we but even that takes weight. It's it's not you know. It takes way more time. Like you, could, you would never get paid. You can you could, you could never get paid the way like there's not the there's no equivalent of like making the movie the a movie the way that we'd want to make a movie where you could like get that sort of instant feedback because it takes a lot of time to make the move a movie the way that we like to make movies. You know, you can't just do it in a well, YouTube yeah, channel. Thing.
1: It's like right. It's not just like yeah. It's not a, a low budget. Hold a, a cell phone out and like capture something like we we're we need like equipment and right. Cause
0: I feel like that, that is, that's, that's one way of making a movie, but I just don't feel like that's really like filmmaking. Like, I think filmmaking takes a lot of like precision and time and thought and, and like, you know, where are you going to put the camera? Why are you showing this? What are you showing? Where Mm -hmm. are we going to get the good light to come in and, and hit our, our actors or whatnot. It's just all this process. It's like, I mean, you can just take out any camera and shoot what, I could go make a movie right now. I, like just find some people to shoot and tell them what to say and we can make a movie. But that's just not the kind of movies I'm interested in making, you know.
1: I think this is, this also feeds into why it always, it feels like uh, filmmaking life is passing us by is because it takes so much time, energy, and money that like people at our level, they can't make movies all the time. <laughs> right. We just, we, we just yeah, can't. It's- And so, like, if you read, like, a book uh, or if you read about, like, um, the early days, like, when directors were, like, in the studio system and they were, like, directing a movie, like, a few times a year and they just had this experience of, like, constantly directing movies and finding their voice. Like, I'm jealous of that. I wish that I had that opportunity. But it's, like, I I can only make a a short film right now every, like, two to three years. Right, exactly. And that feels slow. It feels so slow. Like, in ten years only making like five movies I, I feel like I should have done a lot more
0: because like right now like I made one last year and then I'm making one this year even in one a year is like super <laughs> super little so slow right and yeah. then at
1: the same time you're feeling but it's still a short film like I should be working on a feature right and in some ways like the short film is then just getting in the way of what you really want to do I, I remember hearing early on that uh, if if you want to make movies, just go make a feature. Like, don't even bother with shorts. Yeah. And in, in some ways, I I, I kind of wish that I took that advice and did it. I think in my head, like, shorts were cheaper and they were faster. But now, like, just having spent four years on Spirit Machine, I realize, well, that's not always the case. Right. Yeah, I
0: totally. Like, I kind of feel like if you want to be a feature filmmaker, you got to make feature films, especially now. Because, like, everyone makes shorts and, like, <laughs> the short... <laughs> like the path from short to feature seems like it's less and less viable. You know, like I don't think that that's really how it works anymore. I think it's more like you make a feature and then if it's good, someone will hire you to make a feature or maybe you'll be able to like raise the money to make your next feature but I don't think people's first features are getting funded you know because of a short they've done I mean there's there are people who are doing that obviously happens, but I think but yeah, it's very yeah
1: slim chance that's gonna happen
0: yeah it's like way less than it used to be you know mm-hmm. I think now it's like people are just making movies however they can and then their their success is based on their first feature not on their first short you know like maybe their first shorts can convince enough people to give them the money to make their first feature you mm-hmm. know but uh yeah it's not gonna i don't think it's gonna be like that dan trachtenberg or you know whoever else like these stories of people who made shorts and then got featured deals right, the right evil after dead guy yeah fede, fede alvarez whose new movie is now like it's in i think it's coming into theaters but it's also on amazon prime um right now so i was trying to convince beth to watch it with me last night but she just doesn't like horror movies they scare the shit out of her so i might have to watch that by myself um but that that looks pretty cool i've heard good good things about it don't don't breathe have you heard about this no yeah it's his i think i think it's only his second movie i think he did the evil dead remake and i think this is his follow-up although he might have one in between um but uh but yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool that guy. I'm I'm really like rooting for that guy because he's like, you know, he's not me, but he's like kind of comes from the same land as me in a way or us, you know. Um, although his his whole thing is like he has like the all the amazing v- VFX background because yeah, he did exactly. all that he, that stuff.
1: He did Panic Attack by himself for like
0: pretty much, yeah.
1: What a thousand bucks or something?
0: Yeah, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So what's the answer here? So your answer for kind of getting rid of this feeling is just to kind of focus on the work and don't worry about how long it's going to take. You just got to just keep doing it and. Yeah. and, And try to put yourself in as many situations as you can to create the your best chance at getting the right opportunity and not worry if you're, if you're ready or not. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think just putting the time into your work and, and staying focused on, on your goals as a filmmaker, I think are probably, it's probably the most important thing and not trying to worry about measuring yourself to somebody else or to what the industry thinks is a success or to what someone else thinks is is a success. Or, you know, if someone else is doing something in their career, don't not thinking, Oh God, I'm terrible for not having that thing happen to me. You know, just be like no this is what i'm doing this is my plan this is what i've got and just stay focused on executing that plan and and that vision for getting your films made whatever it is you know um and stay in your lane stay in your lane i oh, God, i've <laughs> been dealing with that so much lately just it's like, so
1: hard to stay in your lane though
0: yeah, I mean, I just it's just, it's like, really and it's really distracting cuz like if you <laughs> if you start comparing yourself to someone else, then it's like you're suddenly like analyzing your whole career and like how yours is a failure versus somebody else. Oh
1: yeah. Well, the funny thing is last night after uh mixing the spirit machine and feeling really good about it, um I was sitting there talking to the engineer and he was like Telling me about this short film that he's about to work on, because um, I was, compl- I think I was complaining that *Spear Machine* took me four years. He's like, ah, you know, in the scheme of things, that's not too long. I've been attached as a sound designer to a short film for two years now. That's uh, not even done. Um, and he, then he started to tell me about like this filmmaker who's like a true artist and really amazing. Um, he works at Pixar. Actually, he just left Pixar, and I was like, are you talking about Colin Levy? And he's like, yeah. I was oh, like, dude, wow. I know that guy. That's and so then he funny. started pulling up like Colin's films and we were like watching pieces of it. And I was like, dude, thanks a lot. I was feeling really good about Spirit Machine until I started watching Colin's stuff. Were you watching like his, his new stuff.
0: movie or was it his old? He was stuff?
1: showing me like behind the scenes or uh, like a VFX breakdowns of the secret number. Oh, secret number. A, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. All right. Well, my movie sucks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I was like, no, stay in my lane, stay in my lane. Like, God. I'm just, I'm doing something different. And one one thing that, like, kind of got me back in that headspace really quickly is I'm reading uh, Hitchcock Truffaut, mm. which is so interesting because it's, you know, it's uh, Francois Truffaut interviewing Hitchcock and their styles could not be more different, right. right? And, like, it's so interesting. Like, they're both really well-respected filmmakers, and even though Truffaut respects Hitchcock so much, I he never tries to do what Hitchcock is doing. And then there's moments where Hitchcock is, like, in admiration of what Truffaut is doing. Like, oh, sometimes I wonder if I should have maybe, you know, freed up the form a little bit and, like, you know, like did do more which you you did and and try to get like more authentic slices of life because mm. Hitchcock's whole style was like the opposite of slice of life. It was like um, really stylistic and lots of cuts. You know, it wasn't long camera takes. um it was very controlled. and Truffaut was like almost documentary style right. So uh, I, that's interesting. I think that's really interesting that you can have like these filmmakers that are opposite ends of the spectrum that both admire each other and when you look at it you also say like yeah they're just on different paths they -hmm. shouldn't be trying to do each other's thing like that's just like based on the experience of where they trained and grew up and the things that they liked and and are trying to do with their films like you just can't compare them like Hitchcock's background from being like a silent filmmaker and being an editor and being an art director like that all plays into his style and where Truffaut his style is based off of like his real life and being a movie critic It's like totally different backgrounds. And so, like, I can't, I shouldn't compare myself to Colin, who has, like, an animation background, who grew up in a in a time with computers, worked at Pixar. Like, I just don't have that. I, like, I have a commercial background. I grew up at a time when I was editing tape to tape. You know, I didn't have access to the visual effects wizard, wizardry that everyone else does. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to kind of remind yourself when uh, on the stay in, stay in your lane thing is, like, where you come from. Like, Yeah. Look back at where you came from and like all your experience is making you the person you are. And you can't compare yourself to anyone else because your background is different than everyone else's.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you're making different movies than Colin is. And you're making different movies than I am. And, you know, we're all making different types of movies and following our hearts of where our movies need to go. And I think that's great. And I just don't think that you need to be considering like oh I'm not good enough or mine's not as good as Collins or mine's not as good as whoever's because it's just this is what you're doing and you're learning and you're getting better at each one that you make you know so I don't know I think it's really hard like I, it's it's funny it's like less <laughs> of like people I know I, I'll, almost it's more like I'll just, like, jump on the short of the week or something and just, like, looking at every movie on Shore of the week and, like, how all the stills from the movies just look better and more produced than my movie.
1: <laughs> right. And I'm
0: like, well, where do the people get the money to do this? Like, what the fuck? Like, where is this coming from, you know? And then you also see that a lot of the ones on Shore of the week now, like, have, like, name people attached to them or, like, people, like, actors who you recognize or comedians who you recognize. And you're like, well, geez, like, how, how am I going to com- compete with, like, a Thomas <laughs> Middleditch short film that's starring right. him or whatever like it's just you know I'm just not in the place and I think that's kind of like why I feel like you know I don't know like I had this thing about like wanting to be a stand-up comedian for a long time like I've always dreamed of it you know since I was basically since my friend I saw my friend did it in college and I was like ever since he did it I was like man I, I wish I could do that and I just never I like I never could write the material you know and, and just get up there and do it <laughs> But I kind of feel like being a stand comedian would be really great for a filmmaker because, you know, you'd be around the entertain- entertainment industry a lot more. And then you'd be meeting these comedic actors or com- comedians who, like, could be in movies or whatever that you made, you know? And I just feel like, I don't know, like, it just... I maybe mean, I have this like like glorified vision of what it would be like, Oh yeah, go to the comedy club last night, I met this new comedian, super cool. I'm gonna put them in a movie, we're gonna make it tomorrow. Like, yeah, it's awesome. But I think know? you
1: gotta choose one or the other. It's hard to do both. Like if you really wanna be a comedian, that's that's where your focus is gonna be. Right. And not if be, you a wanna be a filmmaker. You gotta focus on being a filmmaker. Although Louis C. K. is is a filmmaker who's also a comedian and those two worlds overlap, but he spent a lot a long, long, long time being a comedian first. Yeah, I mean, he was already a
0: comedian for, for, you know, that's like <laughs> his main deal.
1: Yeah, for like 20 years besides Pootie Tang. I don't know what else he, he directed and then his show is like he's what in his fifties when his show like came out,
0: right? Exactly. Or forties. There's like Mike Burbigula. Is Birbiglia is another example. Like he's a yeah. stand-up comedian who's also filmmaker. You know, and I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand for him. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just, it's more like a fantasy thing. But I don't know. I was, I was thinking about maybe just doing an improv class, and and if I did it with Beth, like then that would be like a good like a good way of like using time that wouldn't feel like I was wasting time because I would be like, it'd be like quality time with my wife, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe we'll do that, but I don't know. I, I think it's probably going to be more like a fantasy than a reality until I get like, <laughs> you know, like imagine if I if I did become like a successful director and that was all I got paid to do was direct and I had a lot of free time in between projects. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, well, since I don't have to go... you know edit corporate videos uh five days a week (laughs) and i'm just like you know working on my film and i have a lot of downtime yeah i'll do some open mics yeah i'll jot down some ideas for for (laughs) some for some stand-up bits and just give it a
1: shot see what happens you know yeah I i don't think you're gonna have any free time if you become a successful filmmaker
0: i don't know you always see these filmmakers are just like waiting for their projects to you know get pushed forward or i don't know but i mean i guess it depends on what kind of filmmaker you are if you're the kind that like You know, oh yeah, I just got booked to direct, you know, this episode of Glee, or I got booked to do this. If you're, if you're that kind of director that's like getting lots of other opportunities, then maybe not. But if you're just like the auteur, like, uh, I don't know, like the, what's his name? The guy who did Green Room, uh, the Mm -hmm. Jeremy, uh, type, I think, yeah, he's probably got some downtime in between
1: film projects (laughs) where he's,
0: you know, <laughs> able to explore some things that... Jeremy
1: you... Solnier, director, comedian.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I want. Orc oh, self, <laughs> director. Oh, wait, he's a director? Uh, wait, wait, I thought he was doing a stand-up bit tomorrow at, at, at whatever. The Laugh House. <laughs> I don't know. There's also a lot of open mics in the Bay Area right now, it feels like. So There seems like there's a lot of opportunities for comedy. Um, I don't go to any of these. I should probably just go to them. Yeah, but, just
1: go uh, try it. Anyone can stand up at an open mic. Just go give it a try, and I'll I, same I, I thing with me uh, give it a try. Yeah, <laughs> just not like going to watch
0: them. Why not? <laughs> just, just get up look. there
1: and see how it feels. And same thing with the improv. Just go take an improv class. It's not. It's not going to hurt. You don't have to pursue it as like to be the best. You can just pursue it as just an interest and just like to challenge yourself and try something different. Why yeah, not? exactly. It'd yeah. Be fun all right i think we have to
0: wrap this up you got anything to share this week yes i do
1: at do long it. last it's time for the itunes review from kyle mccauley woo <laughs> sorry kyle took took a long time he says great for any indie filmmaker five-star review timothy and Ulrich are awesome guys and great interviewers they keep the conversations informative and focused there just aren't many outlets dealing with the filmmaking struggle on a level relevant to the everyday listener and that's why their podcast is so valuable keep it up guys wow awesome thanks so much kyle it's amazing but it doesn't end there there's one more oh geez uh from fourth river really comma it is hard I love listening to these guys talk so honestly about making movies. They really get beyond just the gear talk and really go more existential sometimes. What a perfect name for the podcast, too. It's true. Movie making is really hard. Five stars. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Four Rivers. Sweet. Fourth River. Fourth fourth river. River. Yeah. Sorry,
1: <laughs> thanks Fourth River. And yeah. Thanks Kyle.
0: Yeah, Kyle seems a little biased because he was on the show, but uh, <laughs> but I think he reviewed it as an interviewee. But he was a know. listener first. That's true. He was a listener first. It's kind of fun that like you know he sent us his movie. We both liked it, and then he was able to be on the show.
1: And he ended up being like a really really amazing guest. I know. Um, like yeah. I didn't know that we had anybody that 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 successful listening to the show. I just figured it was a bunch of people like us that were complaining about like trying to <laughs> climb the ladder. Like, how do we do this? I want to make movies. Why <laughs> can't I, I make, make m- movies? <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad that Kyle reached out to us and and asked if we thought it might be an interesting topic because it was it was it was really good yeah it's funny
0: because like his email was like i don't know like you guys uh, i don't know if this is a good idea or not i just want to throw it out there and then like he tells this amazing story in the email yeah. and we're like, like oh my uh, god yes yes <laughs> you're perfect for the show what are you talking about <laughs> um I, my my share this week is just the Amazon pilot season. We didn't really talk about it much, um, but it's you really mentioned cool. The the John Claude Van
1: Damme pilot.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun thing. I've been watching them. I think ever since they started, I, I've watched not every pilot, but like at least three or four of them. I only watched other this new season. I've only watched that one so far. But uh, there's some really fun stuff on there, and I just think it's it's interesting because you get just to see, you get to see a show from a network's perspective of like this is this is a pilot, this is what they put together. Would you want to see more of it? And then you actually get to vote on it as a as a, as a viewer. Um, so I've I voted last year. I, I haven't actually done any voting this year, but I'll vote. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. And I, I, I hope one day I get to the opportunity to
1: do a Amazon pilot. That would be really fucking cool. It seems like you need more than one episode, though, to decide if a series has legs, right?
0: I don't know if it has legs, but, I mean, basically, I, I, after watching an episode, I'm like, yeah, I'd watch more of it. Like um, the that that uh Castle, that one about the, the alternate universe where the Nazis and oh, right. the Chinese or whatever like, you know, one Dick story. Yeah. So that one was a pilot season episode and we watched that and we were like it's got a lot of problems but overall I really like it and so we voted yes on it and then it ended up becoming a show and then we only watched like three episodes of it. It was really long and slow but uh, it was pretty cool. It's a really cool concept for sure. Um, But yeah, I guess that's what, check out Amazon Pilot Season if you haven't heard of it. It's pretty
1: sweet. Well, and we're all pulling for you to get your opportunity to direct one. <laughs> that would be cool. I don't know how yeah. it's going to happen, but yeah. we'll ten figure year, it out.
0: 10 years from now. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, maybe. All right, you gonna take us out? Yep, here we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about in this episode and every other episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at podcast. And if you like the show, tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes like Kyle and Fourth River. And that's it. That's our show. Thanks, Ulrich. Thank you, Timothy. It was a great show. A lot of fun. We'll talk to you guys next week.